Hi, my name is Shirley Bilson, and I'm your host for the Revelation podcast. This podcast is about reinvention, courageous goal setting, and inclusive thinking for results. It's a mix of personal journey, reinvention stories, strategies, and exploring the critical role of what goes on between your ears, taking a conscious look at unconscious thinking. Always remember, if you jump in deep enough, you don't have time to be scared. I'm back after a little Christmas break, which was important to take. I'm back. And today I want to refocus a little on something that you may have heard me said before, or maybe not, or maybe you've forgotten about how thoughts become things and because we're you know i tend to focus on the anxiety end of things we're looking at rather than the positive shift of how that that can be used in your favor to liberate you permanently from this mire of anxiety and menopause i want to reinforce your understanding or our understanding if you like of how you fill that stress bucket with thoughts even when like the life you're currently experiencing could be completely fine like there's nothing stressful here where's the problem and that's why i really really emphasize the focus on okay what is this stress bucket what goes in it and how do thoughts become the problem and i've got a perfect example from the holiday so what i've noticed within myself now remembering that i've moved to a place beyond the whole maelstrom of menopause anxiety it's your place where i can i can actively practice and observe techniques and tools and ways of thinking and behaving that support me in maintaining that level of mental well-being and resilience that i just lost completely when i was in the maelstrom of what the hell's going on but it took work to get there so it didn't happen naturally it took work and effort so i'm very aware when it slips but you know i'm a human being just like anybody else unbelievably and your brain will still potentially catch you out when like you're not looking you're not paying close attention it can catch you out a little so i have been aware that since my mother died which is now four months, maybe five, five months, when was it, September? I have noticed that my my heart rate is, even at a relaxing state when I've been meditating, is, is higher. So I normally have a very low heart rate. You know, I could have a resting heart rate previously, before my mum died, of between 48 and 55 max, whereas since then even my resting heart rate after meditation is up in the mid 60s so i know oh you know i'm experiencing things differently i need to be careful i need to be watchful and mindful of what i'm putting in that bucket because i can't do anything about the external fact of grief and how that affects you you know and nor would i want to and nor would i recommend you know there's certain the whole point of what I say to people when I'm working with them is that you create a way of thinking and being and behaving that allows you the space 
to experience those major moments in life about which you can do nothing and it's perfectly normal to feel rocked, overwhelmed, emotional on, on whatever level. And clearly, death and grief is one of those circumstances. So that's normal. So, but, but I need to be mindful of to make sure that I maintain, if you like, what I call space in my bucket to ensure because I know that I'm running it because of what's happened. I'm running it. I don't know. You know, let's estimate somewhere around half full maybe maybe a third maybe not as much as that which means i have to be careful about the other things that i might be putting in it and it was a useful lesson this christmas holiday and you might think well yeah, i took the time off i wasn't working absolutely i wasn't working i didn't work at all except for tiny little things on my book where i suddenly would think of something and think oh i need to capture that before i forget but that that wasn't work. Most of the time, I just did what most people do, despite the restrictions around COVID. You know, we still had Christmas lunch. We still went out and we walked. We still played games. We still drank quite a lot. And, and we still watched television and films and, and all that malarkey. And you think, well, where, where are you going to find stress then? This is why it's important to remember thoughts are the problem. Thoughts are the problem. So here's the example I'm thinking of. We went for a walk yesterday and where we live, we're quite close to the river and there is a natural floodplain. There's a meadow that that's its job is it will, when the river floods, it floods into the meadow and prevents it going further. And there's a little, a little tiny hill that comes up just beyond the meadow to where our, our house is. And because we've had so much rain recently, the, the road has flooded and, they, and this happens periodically. It happened for about a week last year and it's happened again this year. So the road will flood and they have to close the road and they put a sign at the other end of the road saying the road's closed, you can't get through. But as you might imagine, people try their luck. People think, oh, yeah, it's probably not that bad. So they ignore the sign and they drive down and they get to the, to the water and they go, oh, actually, it's quite bad. And yesterday... So we're used to that. It's been really lovely that it does massively reduce the volume of traffic because, okay, a handful of cars will come down, try their luck, turn back again. But it means that the normal volume of traffic is, is not there. So it's it's peaceful, you know, you can hear the birds, there's no traffic noise, and we can go for a walk on the road because, because I live in the country, there are no pavements here. There's just verges and they're very muddy right now because of the amount of rain we've had. So yesterday, we also had incredibly heavy snow and it was the, the I'm not kidding, the flakes were about four or five centimetres across. They were enormous. And we'd been stuck in home and it was having all that, you know, that central heating woolly head that you get. We went out for a walk. And when I say we, I'm talking about my partner and my son. And it's really slushy on the road because what we had is, is heavy snow on top of heavy rain. So it's it really still very wet. And we're all dressed up properly, you know, we've all got proper boots on and, and big coats and hats and, and whatnot. And as we walk down the road, a, a car comes towards us, that's normal, and it slows down. And anyway, this one car comes towards us 
and he's throwing up as you might imagine as he as he's driving along he's hurling up slush and water from his wheels either side so as he's coming towards them thinking well he's going to slow down he's got to realize that's what he's doing no no so there's no two-way traffic he shouldn't be coming down because the road's closed there's three pedestrians in the road two of whom step onto the verge because he clearly isn't going to you know take the middle line even though there's no traffic because the road's closed and and this car takes the normal line down the road with my partner and my son standing on the verge to get out of his way and continues at the same speed and throws this water and slush all over them so my partner's wearing jeans you know what jeans are like when they're wet they're not great and the temperature is about one degree now we had a bit of a, you know, and, and when he came back, I deliberately stood in the road to make him slow down. But even then, I moved out of the way too slowly because he, he picked up speed so that he could carry on through absolutely oblivious or not caring, don't, don't know which, to the fact that his car, you know, he's nice and warm and dry in his car. And, you know, he, he splashed us. So what I realised, why am I telling you this story? That was obviously quite annoying. Uh, that person had behaved very thoughtlessly towards the fact that we were walking on the road and it was covered in water. And it can, but I started, so here's what I'm learning to describe as mind stories. I like, I like the phrase, which I've, I've, you know, I've talked about this a lot, but I like the phrase mind story. In other words, what is the story that you start to create in your mind without even realizing it? It just runs on autopilot. And you've probably already got a sense of it the way I've told the story to you. So I can tell my mind is telling a story about, you know, how thoughtless this person is, how they've not considered the pedestrians, they shouldn't have come down that road anyway, what were they doing? You know, I'm telling myself all these stories. And obviously I'm annoyed and and I've gone on and we continue the walk and then I got annoyed about something else which may or may not have been a thing and then I came home and I calmed down I was doing whatever I was doing we had lunch we had dinner and blah 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 and if and two I, I could easily have gone it hasn't affected me you know I like what what you know okay that was this morning for goodness sake but here's where you need to be mindful because at around two o'clock in the morning, I'm awake. I'm thinking, why am I awake? What's the matter? Yeah, I'm not working. There's nothing going on. I'm lying there, I'm awake. And I realised, hang on a minute. What on earth could there be that's running through my head? I think, oh, it's that car. It's that car. So here we have a person I've never met in a car I've never seen who, despite behaving pretty thoughtlessly, rather than being a thoughtless person, because that was the story I told myself, was that this was a thoughtless person. But I've made a big leap from doing something thoughtless, behaviour-led, to attaching that to his whole persona. Like, I didn't know this person, I wouldn't recognise him on the street, I don't know what, they, what he looked like, but I've attached all of this judgmental energy onto him and what he did. And here's the other part of the story. So I've attached all of this energy. How dare he? Urgh. 
but I'm I'm writing a story as if, as if somehow he's he's run someone over, like which he hadn't. He'd just made us a bit wet. Like nobody got hurt, nobody nobody suffered any particularly adverse symptoms other than you know some wet jeans and wet shoes. But here was I in the telling of the story that I wasn't even conscious of in my mind, every telling of that story was creating an emotional, a negative emotional response in my body, which is a stress. If you remember when I talked about stress before, stress is a physical thing. It's not just some random external stuff. It is a physical response in your body. And so that stress created a physical response. But which would have been okay. Like, okay, so stress is normal, it happens. But I hung on to it. I continued to turn that story over and over and over. I wanted to kind of, you know, you get to the point where I wanted to slash his tires and and kick his car. Do you know what I mean? All those things that I was never ever going to do, even if I'd had the opportunity, you know, had he not driven away, because I'm never going to meet him again, don't know who he is. I'd managed to repeatedly throw stuff in my own bucket, my stress, not his, mine, of how outrageous, and not even thinking about it. So every time I'm thinking about that, or, you know, had I been seeing other people, you can imagine right now, I'm retelling the story, retelling the story increases the stress. You think, why would I do that? I want to get this across to you because I'll be okay, you know, I'm letting go. But that emotional response in your body is exactly what I'm talking about when I say thoughts fill the bucket because that event is gone, gone. What happened yesterday morning? The event passed ages ago. But I'm waking up in the night because what's happened is I've been churning that story in my head, even without realizing I'm churning the story in my head. It's only because I awake in the night and think, what the hell, what could possibly be on my mind? Oh, it's that. Because there's a backwards and forwards story about what this person did, what that means. And ultimately there's something even deeper there, which I might go into at some other point about how I've allowed myself to feel about that, which which deepens it still further. I've created a thought story, a mind story, where I've put myself in the role of victim, which is why I get that kind of, I want to burst his tires and scratch his car and kick it. You, You know, that has turned me into a victim. That's triggered something massive, whole different story. But you can see how all of that is going into my bucket, into my bucket, into my bucket. So by the time I get to sleep, remember, you know, because I'm still dealing with the half full thing from my mother's death. I've now filled it with with this, with this thing. And I've over, not just filled it, I've overloaded it. So I go to bed. When you overload, your brain goes, oh, empty all this. I'm trying to empty, trying to empty, trying to, oh God, I can't empty this all. (sighs) Boom, I'm awake. And I'm filling it, instead of emptying it, I'm filling it. So that's an example of what I mean about thoughts equal things. Don't ever dismiss a thought as a throwaway thing. Notice the intensity of your feelings. So if you think about a situation like that, maybe, you know, I cured myself of road rage a long time ago. 
like I never get road rage these days. I used to all the time, I used to, but I realized, crikey, how bad it made me feel to be reacting to what the things that other people did. Whereas once I learned to just let it go, like, Phew, well, that was interesting driving, it, you know, not emotionally responding to it at all, just observing, just noting, I, well, if I just, as long as I drive safe, that's fine. Just keep away from those people because they seem like they're not too bothered about whether they die today or not. But well, I kind of am. Um, but I realise, even though I don't do road rage, I was kind of doing a similar thing, like pedestrian rage or cyclist rage. I think, oh, I need to, I need to adapt that learning that I had from being in a car when I'm the driver and adapt that to my normal day-to-day -day life when I'm out walking or doing whatever and someone does something and it can happen anywhere like to us it was pedestrian raid but I know you'll be familiar it could have been supermarket raid like someone or, or queue raid or <laughs> we all know them when we do that we've got to be mindful that's creating drama mind stories and the drama is way bigger if you allow yourself to just dive in a little go how big is this and watch where your mind takes you about if if you gave it free reign it's not just about the fact that someone pushed in in a queue or someone splashed you with a car it's it's something bigger. It's someone, something where someone's taken a huge advantage of you, that they're dreadful people, they've made you feel small, you're not prepared. You know, you can turn this into something, you know, it's people like that that make the world so dreadful. I mean, we wouldn't have wars. I mean, do you know what I mean? You can turn this into something enormous when really the chances are maybe they just had a bad day too. Maybe they just had something on their minds and they really weren't even thinking. They were in their own mind story. So that's my first, it's probably not the cheeriest story to tell you straight after Christmas, but it seems important. And I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you're having or have had a really restful holiday and that you've been able to completely empty your bucket and not put anything in it that you shouldn't have. But if you have, then we can still be grateful because it's been an opportunity to learn a bit more about myself, about, oh, that's interesting. Hmm, I need to put that, that whole rate, rate, I can't even say it now, the road rage solution into practice somewhere else, because that's what something else our brains do, and I'm not gonna labor it because it's a whole different story, but our brains can adopt certain modes of thinking and behavior in one situation, and then be totally amnesic and incapable of accessing them in another. And that's one of the glorious, but also rather frustrating parts of the way our mind works. Okay, have a brilliant rest of the day. I will catch you tomorrow. Bye for now.